Welcome to Australian Gothic, a podcast on Australiana and the darkness that lurks beneath. We're your hosts, Josie Spicer and Lucas. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who listened to the first episode. Uh, you all had a lot of really nice things to say. Uh, that's so nice. Yeah, I was honestly, I had fun making it. I thought maybe like, I expected maybe like a few of my friends to listen, but actually overwhelmingly good response. I'm excited. I hope we can educate you all more. I know that we have a few Americans listening already. So we're also getting the international audience, which is kind of at least half the motivation behind this is, is, is explaining Australia to, to foreigners, um, trying to ward them away from here. This is episode two, Byron Bay. Today, we'll be taking the listeners on a little flyover of the area and phenomenon, I guess, known as Byron Bay. But before we get started, I just wanted to acknowledge that today we're coming together to record and share knowledge on unceded Yagara and Turrbal land. Sovereignty was never ceded here, nor was it anywhere in the colony that we call Australia. Now, a disclaimer, I've never been to Byron Bay, you have Lucas, but I'm going to do whatever this version I guess, Australia-splaining to you. And, you know, yeah, despite it only being a two-hour drive south of where we live, never been. And this is partly because of some of the things that I'll get into. So here's how I'm going to break down this episode. First of all, I'm going to give you a brief history of the area. Then I'll be using a piece from Vanity Fair as a launching point into some of the elements that I find particularly distasteful about Byron Bay. Um, I'll throw it to you, obviously, Lucas, you're welcome to like, come in at any point. I know that you have your own sort of like anecdotes. I'll ask you what your experiences are of the area. And I've also got a few experiences um, to read out, some some tellings, some anecdotes from friends of the show. Before wrapping up, I'll then sort of just briefly touch on, I guess, my final thoughts relating to colonization and identity and cosplaying working class but in a really weird way i have kind of a word for this it's something you see in uh wealthy people i feel like this is you know tapping up against what you're talking about um culture capital yeah um you're trying to trying to appear more worldly than you are and you know being able to buy that whether that's by buying access to a certain location or a certain culture. Yeah, is is that possibly at all where you're headed? That is, I feel like it kind of encompasses uh, a lot of what I'm going to be talking about. So I guess I'll actually give my main thesis statement first. Byron Bay, ultimately, I think is like this microcosm of everything that I find distasteful about colonization it's it's like this very infuriating mixture of colonization gentrification and capitalism and commodification of of spirituality and a lot of quote-unquote authentic sort of experiences and finally just to sort of bring some lightheartedness to the episode I just want to take you through some of the um, events and services that uh, I found while just like entering Byron Bay into Google and all of my sources I'll um, send to you to put in the show notes and people can access it. Byron Bay is a beachside town on the east coast of Australia and will be largely what we're talking about today. But for the pedants out there, we might flick between talking about the town itself and the general Byron area. 
Byron Bay is adjacent to Cape Byron, which is the easternmost point of mainland Australia, and as of 2016 had a permanent population of around 9,200 people, but it's visited by around 2 million tourists per year. So huge tourist destination. If you Google image search it, beautiful, beautiful location. You might have heard of it. There is a certain Avenger who lives there with his wife. And also Pete Evans lives in that area too. He's a, he's a little bit further north, but he, he made an appearance at Blues Fest just this previous weekend. Um, Pete Evans, oh, I'll get into, sakes. yeah, his first appearance since the, was it the fucking Sonnenrad gate. <laughs> um, is, is that when he posted the thing on Twitter of like the Black Sun? Yes, yes. Okay, so that's 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 what the name you just said. Sorry. I'm yeah, no, no, it. that's okay. No, it, I'm glad you don't know the name of it. It's fine. Um, so I'm I'll, pure still. I'll get uh, I'll get into Pete Evans later. So sorry to folks we've already lost. Please bear with me. So around two two million tourists per year. It's also a popular tourist destination for its general vibe and culture. And there's always something to do there in terms of like. Like there's lots of retreats and alternative medicine workshops happening there. There's lots of cooking workshops. It's a really, it's really much a, an alternative wellness slash sp- spirituality hub. There's a prevalent presence of new age shops, spiritual services, and wellness retreats. Byron Bay is, of course, the colonizer name for the area known as Cavern Bar or meeting place. It's known as Cavern Bar by the traditional custodians of the land, the Bunjalung nation of the Arakwal, Minjungbul, and Wijabul people. Sorry, I was trying to say that correctly. And the Bunjalung nation have been on that land for at least 22,000 years. So what we're talking about is a very recent phenomenon Um, But people have been living there for a very, very long time. So since colonization, the area has been used for logging, gold mining, cattle and dairy farming. Uh, In 1901, the Cape Byron Lighthouse was built. And if you look on Instagram, you'll probably see hundreds of photos of this lighthouse. Um, And it is positioned on the easterly, most easterly point of the mainland of Australia, but destroyed a significant Arakwal men's ceremonial ground in the process. So it's good to now look at that and know that they knowingly destroyed, um, you know, a sacred ceremonial ground um, to build the lighthouse. Um, Just as I, I kind of like got a bit into a rabbit hole reading about the Arakwal peoples and like their beliefs and stuff. And it seems like what we call Byron Bay, um, it seems like it was, you know, it's cavern bar, meeting place. Often a lot of different peoples would meet there, share knowledge, trade. It was a really important area um, and there's quite a few landmarks around that seem to be quite sacred. Just as like a little note, like the bottlenose dolphins, that's um, the totem for Arakwal women. And the cabal or carpet snake is like the totem for the Arakwal people. Uh, in general. Anyway, I just thought that was very cool to know, and I just found pre-colonial history, like it's so fucking hard to find like, easily access this information, so I was like, I felt like I should pass it on at least. Even though the area is visually stunning even now, the environment was damaged through sand mining um, between the two world wars. 
and the place was apparently very stinky for like a good 30 years or so because there were annual whale slaughters and like um, I guess they just like let some of the, the carcasses and shit just chill out and also because there was like a large presence of meat and dairy works in the area so it was kind of this beautiful but very smelly area up until the 1960s i find it very funny that byron bay was like this big is this big surfing town and there is this like huge surfing culture there to this day and for the longest time like when it was a town where they do like whaling apparently the waters were shark infested because they would just chuck all the whale offal out into the bay and sharks would just go apeshit oh my gosh yeah so it that's actually really interesting so i wonder if like so from my understanding, the whaling kind of stopped in about 1963, and it was around that time that the longboard surfers arrived. It must be because there's no fucking sharks there anymore, because you're not just, like, baiting them, basically. Also, before I continue, Byron Bay, it's not actually a bay, it's a bite. So it's like this really long, shallow, uh, kind of inward sloping thing. Um, so for the geology heads out there, or fucking whatever topography heads there you go i did have that sorry i tried to jump in again i did have that for a minute because i was just like oh i live near sort of morton bay and it's a bay because that there's like a bunch of islands yeah yeah brisbane (laughs) harvey bay i've gone to fraser island a lot again it's like an area that's sheltered by an island and but i was just like why is it called byron bay there's no like big island sort of like sheltering it so all right thank you yeah okay i'm I'm glad that some i'm well I mean, I'm really speaking to one person, but I was so excited by that little piece of information and I'm glad you found it exciting too because I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And also, I think bites are cool. Byron bite? That sounds cool. Oh, I thought you said Byron butt. Byron like, butt. Can we call it Byron butt? <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, that's probably what it was called when it was stinky. It was fucking <laughs> doo-doo-ass bay. Well, now I know that like the waters were shark infested because of the whaling. This makes sense that in the 1960s, that's when longboard surfers arrived. And so began the era of Byron Bay as a tourist destination. But it was a tourist destination for cash poor people. So there's still lots of working class people coming to visit. Um, I did speak to my mum earlier today and she had memories from around this period in the 60s and 70s when she would visit. And she said that her and her first husband would come down because in New South Wales, slot machines and pokies, like they were, they weren't in Queensland until 1992. So people would come down to New South Wales to gamble. And this was like, that would be one of the reasons that at least they in particular came to Byron Bay. So I I just found that interesting and um that was kind of not mentioned at all uh in the literature that i read as someone who finds like pokies and tab sports bet bars and shit like that super boring that sounds depressing as shit like so you're traveling like two hours to come to come to Byron, yeah. come to New south wales just so you can like play pokies like man sorry if you're not if you don't live in australia like i mean i suppose you've seen like a place that has slot machines or you know poker machines they suck so hard. In the US, it's still very, like, it's only on certain, like, reservations and in, like, Nevada and New Jersey, right? Like, it's still, it's quite contained and you still have to visit to go to those, like, casinos and shit, right? Oh, okay. So, like, uh, so the American, sorry, we're, we're butting up against other topics. Yeah. So the <laughs> idea of, like, going to a pub and there's a section that smells like shit where there's a lot of <laughs> horrible, sad-looking Dark Souls-looking motherfuckers playing slot machines. 
that's not a thing in most American cities. No, I don't think that is, is it? If you're listening to this show, like, a, does your local pub have a section that sucks shit with, like, a bunch of, like, horribly racist slot machines? Um, please let us know. I'm pretty sure they're not allowed. But I could be wrong. Because this would... Okay, here we go. Fucking forming our own bingo card as we go. Tangents. But, like, I think gambling in Australia is something that is very... Uh, Unfortunately, close to me and something I feel quite passionately about, Australia gambling culture is fucking cooked. Like, our access oh. to to gambling facilities is just off the charts compared to other countries, including the US. Yeah, from the 60s to the 80s, there that's sort of when this tourist destination for surfers and a lot of working class people, a lot of, like, cash poor hippies. So my mum was like said to me, she said, Josie, like, they were actually, like, the stinky hippies. Um, okay. And, and like, with no judgment, just, like, no, like, genuinely, like, travelled and committed to the bit, as it were. Okay, so not necessarily, like, oh, we want to build a commune and grow our own fruit and vegetables. Not, like, not like the hot hippies from a movie like Easy Rider. They were just, like, kind of, like, trying to make a go of it as best as possible. But still, like, some of the roughness that comes along with that due to just, like, the difficulties of that lifestyle. Oh, they still wanted to make the communes, but they all would just have, like, stank ass while they're doing it. So, like, all of that, but they (laughs) did still have those ideals of, like, wanting to have a commune because, like, especially around, like, the 60s and 70s, it's, like, a huge time for a lot of counterculture thinking anyway. Yeah, a lot of this commune and alternative lifestyle stuff did form around this era, but the people doing it weren't cashed up, if that kind of makes sense. Okay, and I had this notion that, like with a lot of modern Australia, like, World War II happens, everyone comes back, uh, moves to the suburbs, becomes the middle class. Certainly in a lot of Brisbane, I feel this is partially the case. Like, you know, they they get kind of wealthy, you know, or at least comfortable. And a way a lot of these beach towns, particularly, particularly the Sunshine Coast, the Gold Coast, crop up is that they were just like, hey, the land up there is cheap, let's buy a house. Oh, look, I own a beach house, it's now worth like three million bucks. So I, I kind of assumed Byron was a little bit like that, but then I had trouble reconciling the hippie part of it. Yeah, so what you're talking about, I think that certainly happened, and it, it happened, I'm sure it was happening all along, but it certainly happened with Gusto from the 1980s. The 1980s sort of gave way to, like, this era of cash-rich consumers and developers coming in, and, like, this is probably where people are finding out that, like, their houses are worth, like, a fuck ton more. And, like, this is when gentrification really sets in. Mm-hmm. And up until this day, it's a popular spot for cashed-up hippies to move and live out their best influencer lives. And this brings me to mentioning the, this um, a Vanity Fair article title titled The Coast of Utopia. It was published in July of 2019. A link to it will be in the show notes. Just uh, so our viewers are aware, I will be reacting to this. I have read this article before, but I blacked so much of it out because I just kept like screaming and shrieking. I was like working from home, like making coffee, listening to it being read to me and just like having to pause it and like scream into my empty house. Uh, and look, I'm going to I'm going to be merciful and I'm not going to read too much out because it it is a very good article and it covers most of what I'm fucking talking about here. The reason I remember this article is this person 
the writer for this piece, went to Byron Bay and kind of interviewed someone named Courtney Adamo and uh, whoever the fuck she is when she's home and a whole bunch of other like Instagram influencers based in Byron Bay. The thing I remember from this piece and it is... Okay, sorry, I just have to find my words. Okay, I'm just going to read it out to you. Before you start reading it, do, do you think I should rattle off my, my history with Byron Bay? Like, just so I so the audience kind of understands where I'm coming from? Yes, yes, okay, I'm sorry, yes, absolutely. What's your experience with Byron Bay, Lucas? Because I have none. Okay, so between about 2006 and 2012, 2013, I went to uni with a few people who lived in Byron uh, had a number of friends who lived there. I dated someone who grew up there for about five years. So between those years, I spent a decent amount of time in Byron Bay. Like every couple of months, I would go down there for like a few days to a week. The last time I was there was in 2019 with my wife. We were like five months out from having our first child. And I think I think we were there about the time this article was published, actually. And so it was fascinating to go to Byron Bay with my wife sort of as a grown-up and see how it had changed. And uh, when we were there in 2019, like there's always been like uh, a wellness psycho culture in Byron Bay. But uh, in 2019, seeing all the like anti-5G stuff. Oh my God, really? uh, We didn't really see any outward anti-vax stuff, but we like, you kind of were aware of it. (laughs) Um, Or vaccine skepticism. I certainly wasn't aware of it back from like 2012 to 2013 but that was probably because i was you know not super aware of those topics in 2019 uh driving into town we were staying in like bangalore or something like that yes, and going yes. into the town to do stuff and you would see so many signs saying like oh don't let them build 5g cells around town because they'll make your children gay or some shit like that <laughs> which to be fair is probably desirable for some subsection of people but they'd want them to be naturally gay um yeah only naturally gay kids yeah yeah no no artificially gay kids look uh, at the end of the program if you're okay with it i will do a little tourism itinerary if you absolutely have to go to byron bay that'll like you know help your sanity if everyone is okay with that I honestly, I was thinking about this. I'm like, I, if people want me to, I, or if I want me to, um, I could like go down and like, it's only a fucking two hour drive away. I could do it just like a day trip or even an overnighter and like wear a mask. Honestly, it's, it's, um, it's about an hour and a half now because they like built a bit of motorway or true, something like that. Anyway, true, so true, true. This is infrastructure chat. So. Uh, look, I, I, any, any um, diverging diamonds on the way and I am sold. <laughs> Okay, this this article, Courtney Adamo, I believe she is from possibly America or the UK, uh, and she moved to Byron Bay, and she's in and she gets she's a paid influencer on Instagram, allegedly mid tier. But the thing I want to read out is just a few sentences in the opening paragraph. It begins by talking about this woman's minimalist shaker style kitchen, uh, and how gorgeous it is. It says, with its clapboard cupboards, wooden stools, bulk dry goods in mason jars, blank marble or blank marble countertops, her Dunlin Chelsea pendant lights, and then in parentheses says $669 each, Smeg refrigerator, 
$2,870. Oh, I have a note about this because, uh, sorry, for viewers who don't know, I used to work in like real estate photography and uh, Smeg products are like expensive wank. Oh yeah, so you such buy, expensive you wank. You buy them for the name tag. And they like, have pretty colors, you wanna, yeah. You buy it because you want a big pink fridge, but like apparently the products themselves like are kind of pretty ordinary. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a f- to an extent, a fridge is a fridge. And then the basically the author goes on and like lists a few more things in the kitchen such as the stove which was the oven and stove which was ten thousand dollars and says the kitchen is like a scene out of little house on the trust fund prairie and i fucking die because <laughs> little house on the trust fund prairie is like sums up this entire aesthetic byron bay is currently home to these people who are influencers are being bankrolled either through a trust fund or through sponsored posts or through a partner who has a undisclosed (laughs) job probably in an extractive industry (laughs) but they spend so much money to try and look poor Oh, yeah. Their kids are wearing pauper's clothes, but those pauper's clothes are made out of beautiful flax linen, um, naturally dyed. You know, shit that you might see in the fucking Polish ghetto, you know, in the fucking early 40s, 30s and 40s. But this is chic. Sorry, I get real petty real fast about this shit. Like, especially someone who grew up quite poor. Seeing people put so much time and money into, like, living simply, I'm like, mate, that's... No, that's not how it works. Anyway, there is this entire movement of people moving to Byron Bay to be living this quote-unquote slow life or slow living. And they kind of address it in that Vanity Fair article and about how that doesn't really reflect reality and whatnot. And there's definitely truth to that, but you have to spend so much money to even put up the visage, like the like the, the falsehood of, of living slowly. Also, some listeners might be wondering if I'm going to address it. There is a relatively new show on Australian Netflix called Byron Bays. I'm trying to with like trying to avoid watching it until after this episode to see, like confirm or deny my suspicions of like how things are for these like what I imagine are fairly well off influences in Byron Bay. It, it takes an awful amount of privilege both financial and white um, to be able to live yep. the the ideal Byron life. Byron Bay does attract a lot of sort of alternative living and a lot of this has ended up being paying out the ass and nose for yoga retreats, for sound therapy, for fucking... Let me see. What do we got here? What do we got? I wrote some lists down. Some sound bowl meditation... Ugh some breath work, all this stuff. And especially seeing how much was sacred about the area of Cavan Bar or Byron Bay, and then seeing kind of like, then it was colonized. And now those who were colonizing it are now colonizing Eastern religious and spiritual practices on colonized land. Sorry, I was going to jump in because, yeah, like, there is so much, like, you know, you can buy Tibetan flags, you can buy those, oh, money, pardon me, oh, like, wheels that you spin. Yeah. 
friend of mine got married in Byron. We stayed in a room that had that was full of like Balinese, like you know, Fuck soft dead. timber furnishings and stuff. So so it's very it's fascinating that yeah, it's on colonized Bajalung land, and they're just like oh we're we're also appropriating a lot of we're doing the whole like oh we're we're beautiful souls we're Buddhists. Like that sort of thing. And I do... So I was thinking about this a lot. This this has been actually really interesting for me. Because like usually I'm... So for my other podcast, A Hill to Die On, usually I'm trying to find, was I right or was I wrong? Like what's the <laughs> definitive answer here? And But this is more just sort of like contemplating a lot of shit. And there's no right or wrong answer. And I have a lot of conflicting thoughts. But I was thinking... I have a few thoughts and I don't really know where they go. And I just like just sort of bounce them off you. But... On one hand, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I haven't been to Byron Bay, but I've been to Lennox Head, which is like a little bit south maybe, or maybe a little bit north. And it's sort of one of the places that's still working class, but is becoming gentrified and I think will become a mini Byron Bay in a few years. And I remember looking out into the ocean and like, it is the water there, like the nature there is so amazing and you feel so small. And I can see why people might go there and feel like they want to be more connected to the land or like, you know, they want to serve some sort of power bigger than them, whether it's community or gods or whatever. So I understand that. And then, so I'm wondering how much of that factors into it, just the sort of environment itself. But also I'm thinking about white people in Australia huge lack of belonging in terms of like (laughs) I mean what we've I understand like how amusing it is having a you know quote-unquote Australian culture podcast and then saying there's no culture but it's all very loose like it's very it's not it's not old it's not old and it's not sacred and I understand like feeling lost feeling lost and wanting to seek belonging and so I think Byron Bay gets a lot of seekers and i also i also don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with practicing eastern spirituality i think there's something wrong with paying white people (laughs) to you know learn whether cultural or religious practices sorry i know i'm ranting a bit but it's like i have these like i have these conflicting thoughts about it because i'm like on one hand, I understand the impulse of this seeking and for lack of a better term, I understand the woo-woo. Like I understand, <laughs> I understand the, the desire for woo-woo. I think it's the commodification of it that is really distasteful for me because it's like a layer of at least falseness to it. I don't know. You get the sense that some of the people practicing it or some of the people fixated on it are either trying to cover for something or conceal something and and you you really hit the nail on the head there before when you were talking about how in Australia we are you know quite culturally a young you know sort of the colony at least is quite a young thing and a lot of the imagery we have fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, that was that was one of the reasons I reached out to you to start this podcast because if you look at facets of Australian culture, we'll get to Australian Christmas carols at one point. I'm adding it to oh what I'm fuck, calling the yeah. heap. Uh, where they, you know, take Christmas carols and make them (laughs) Australian through lyrics. And I remember, like, listening to them as a kid and being like, this fucking sucks. This is so bleak. (laughs) It does. It does suck. It's two cunts in a ute. Yeah, yeah. Esky and the ute got my my dog. I'm going to get shit-faced in the wilderness and do wake and fright. Yeah, yeah. Next episode, sorry. 
wake and fright. <laughs> in some ways, so you made me come around. It's just like, ha ha ha, look at these like fake hippies. And it's just like, God, yeah. If you look at the idea that like Australia is just like two fuckwits and wife beaters getting shit faced in the bush, you would be like, no, this fucking sucks. This isn't me. Can I, is there something better? I, and so I kind of understand that. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said that I hadn't thought about that. Not, not Byron Bay for my next point, which I'll get to in a moment, which is the uh, fucking depressing rate of vac- vaccination in Byron Shire. I, again, I find Byron Bay to be this interesting space of like, a whole bunch of white people wanting to find belonging, which is understandable, but doing it by appropriating other cultures on land that is stolen and not ever fucking interrogating that. And also, like, grifters charging an arm and leg to provide uh, wellness. Birthing services. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Something I did find was I looked, I went onto Eventbrite. I just searched for things coming up in Byron Bay. I clicked on every single entry on like the first four pages and I, I looked through them and I just like made some observations and there was a fucking lot of woo-woo mm-hmm. but I did notice that there were some really cool there were some really cool workshops that even I would go to and a lot of it was like learning about um back burning which is like I'm, I'm sure they have it in areas in the U.S. but it's like the controlled burning of bushland to make sure that you don't then get like devastating bushfires and it was like learning how like first nations peoples did it for fucking millennia or whatever that was free there were some things about yeah there were some things learning about just like basic biodiversity and the importance of biodiversity in the byron shire that was free there were some like meditation sessions that were free or like a whole bunch of things that were like you pay what you want and i thought that is probably like those ones that are free or like even the little bit of woo-woo ones that are like pay what you want maybe i'm making assumptions here but it seemed like those people genuinely were there to build community to build like you know love for the land i have less criticism for that than i do for the following (laughs) okay oh okay hit me well there are a whole fuck ton of like three to seven night wellness retreats that were vague cost anywhere from eighteen hundred dollars to two and a half grand depending on if you wanted to share a room or if you wanted a double bed Uh yeah and it just like had a grab bag of all these different like spiritual practices but here's one that i really liked so there's an event coming up called sound bowl meditation and prompted journal circle Okay. I'll, I'll just read part of the description because the whole thing, too much even for, for, for my poor innocent listeners who don't deserve this. And for you, Lucas, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what happens. I believe it was $25, which to be fair is on the far lower end for a workshop in Byron Bay. Anyway, we begin the session with group breath work followed by prompted journaling. All journal questions are inspired by the current astrological transits and printed ready for you. You're welcome to bring your journal if you would prefer to, to free write. Essential oil blends are misted overhead before we make our way down for an immersive 50-minute crystal sound bowl journey. We allow ample time afterwards to connect with each other over oracle cards and ceremonial grade organic cacao, parentheses, vegan. So that was a lot of words there. 
So Ooh, basically, yeah, that's that's like all the woo words. That's like a checklist. It was bingo. Uh, just had to fit them in there. But yeah, no. So I don't know what breath work is. Um, that, so there's some of this. Okay, so I have to admit, I I am one to fucking love laughing at woo woo, but mm-hmm. I don't not believe in God. <laughs> so I like you know like there are or like you know I understand that there are some practices that like we now learn have like a a physiological benefit. We're understanding more about like um you know certain forms of exercise and massage can like really help with healing trauma or even understanding trauma and there are things like that so I don't want to poo-poo the people who are partaking in these things necessarily but I do remain skeptical of the people hosting it what they're getting from it if that kind of makes sense if you're you're attending this and it's just like eh, it's just a laugh it's just some goofy shit I'm doing you know I'm playing you know, we're reading Oracle cards. I'm going to play a board game and I'm going to listen to someone like get the little thing and go around a bowl and it'll make a pretty noise. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's fine. But if you're seeking some sort of like transcendent, you know, rapturous experience, it's just like, you know, I sort of feel bad for someone who is like going for that. But if you're someone who is just like, yeah, this is some goofy shit. I get yeah. to look at some cool crystals uh, and, and, and do some, yeah, exactly. you know, do some like free verse poetry, fucking whatever. And then tell someone about it and they can't be like, lol, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that kind of sounds pretty sick. That sounds pretty funny. <laughs> like, as in, like, you could just say some wild shit and, like, be like, you can't judge. <laughs> the crystal sound bowl said that you cannot judge me uh, for being a weird <laughs> little freak. Um, but, and, and to be fair, the part that actually tickled me the most was the ceremonial grade organic cacao, parentheses vegan. I was just like, Come on, mate. You're just gonna have some hot chalky. That's what you're gonna do. Like, don't don't pretend this is something different. Other than how's ceremonial? Like, is it ceremonial grade? <laughs> is it carver? Has it got like carver in Ooh, it? Like, actually, am I gonna trip trip yeah. shit when I like have this? I don't think chalky? so. Like... I don't think you're allowed to sell carver in Australia. Ceremonial. Oh, okay. Good call. Good grade. Call. So they wouldn't say, even if it was to be fair. Australian ceremonial cacao. It should tell me everything I need to know about it. About. Oh, okay, you googling it. Yeah, right now, because like, yeah, I don't know what that means. Is it, is it just like, is this just like the five star cacao? Like, is this just the best no. shit? So right now. It's just like, is this going to be really good cacao? I haven't had a lot of cacao. I don't know. I have, I have dark chocolate sometimes. I'm not, not a huge sweets guy. We could do a double blind study. Just have some like Cadbury hot chalky powder and some ceremonial grey cacao and see how we go. Like we may, we <laughs> might, we might see the face of Hashem. We don't know. So okay, here our mission is to help leaders, light workers slash warriors, healers, star seeds, world changers, and conscious mums and dads. Um, a bit of the binary there. Complete their missions from a full cup. To charge and recenter you emotionally, vibrationally, and energetically so that you are ready for what you do next. Um, blah, 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 blah. Everyone who intends this fi- this fucking thing is building an app and is going to tell you about what their fucking app does. Yes, yes, absolutely. A lot of, lot of programmers living in Byron Bay. Like, it's something... Oh, yeah. Have, have you noticed as well, particularly in America and Burning Man, like, software developers, like, you know, programmers tend to be drawn to a lot of the spiritualism like flies on shit but it's always like spiritualism where there's a chance that there's like drugs and hot chicks <laughs> drugs and... okay so that does get me to something i will talk about in a second um the drugs uh, and by, and hot chicks. by hot chicks i mean like sort of 
crusty chicks with dreadlocks yeah, who yeah, might yeah. be topless at a beach. Yeah, but, so there is a crustier side to Byron Bay that I will get to. A lot of what I see in Byron Bay, which is trying to get a tourist buck, going and buying local crystals. You don't know that they're local. Buying quote-unquote indigenous artworks, which may not actually be by indigenous peoples. Um, and, mm-hmm. all, you know, all these Looks businesses suspiciously that... like Western Desert Dot Art. Yeah. And, like, not doing anything to work for the community. Like, purely sort of profit-driven, if that kind of makes sense. So, um... I, I, gotta, I gotta go into that a little bit, because as someone who has driven a car in Byron Bay, the roads are dog shit. And oh, really? It's like got... With a town that's got, like, so much tourism money coming in, it's just, like... And and it's something that, like... Because, you know, I live with people who live in Byron Bay, you know, people who, you know, raise their families there, you know, spoken to their parents. They, you know, get quite mad about, like, tourists coming to town. And it only occurs to me now, it's just, like, you probably, as community members, weren't seeing the benefits of all that money coming in. Like, why weren't you getting any tax money? Like, you know... Why are there so many fucking potholes on the roads into Byron Bay? Why are there so many roundabouts? Like, why are the roads so... Like, driving in Byron Bay is a fucking harrowing experience because the roads, like, pedestrians are everywhere. It's all roundabouts. It's real life and death shit. So if you're living in Byron Town, you're probably wondering, like, hey, this is, like, quite a wealthy shire. Why aren't we seeing any of this in, like, our fucking infrastructure? Why isn't any of this coming back to us, the people who live here? And from my understanding, like, Byron Shire covers, like, a bit of the inland as well, which is still where a lot, even, like, even more disadvantaged people, like, poorer people live. And they would be seeing less of this shit again. There is that. Also, the infrastructure there, I've heard that parking in Byron Bay is, like, dog shit. So that's another reason. I get so stressed out about parking. So that's why I haven't been. But the other one is... The herd immunity issue. Okay, yeah. Um, so even even before COVID, but especially during COVID, so before COVID, Byron Shire was known as having, I think, possibly, I don't know if it was, like, on the East Coast or if it was, like, based on state averages, but it had, like, some of the worst vaccination rates for children. With COVID, it is still sitting at, I have the numbers here, so at the moment in Byron Shire, which includes the town of Byron Bay, 86% of residents have received two doses of COVID-19 vaccine compared to the statewide average of 94%. So that's still better than I thought. That's better than I thought. But like that is that area having lower sort of vaccination rates is, is part of a, an ongoing trend and a pre-existing trend. And it, it it doesn't necessarily have to do with access as well, which is very infuriating to me. For some people, it is for access, but there is a whole bunch of fucking wealthy people who could pay for any healthcare service they wanted to, who are choosing to not get vaccinated, who also profit from scaremongering, like fearmongering. So, like Pete Evans, for example, he is incredibly wealthy. Pete Evans is um, was a um, Australian TV personality. I believe he was a chef. He has a whole bunch of books. I believe he might have a fucking podcast or whatever the fuck. But he is huge on the vaccine scepticism. I believe Lucy of Bunta Vista podcast fame um, did an episode on him. I haven't listened to it yet. But she did a whole episode on him on the QAnon Anonymous 
podcast. Oh my goodness! And uh, I, haven't, I haven't heard yeah. that. So I just remember. No, I haven't. I just either. remember Bunta Vista's one. To to quote progenitor of this podcast, uh, Bunta Vista, they quoted a medical journal or some sort of medical professional saying of his his recipe book for children which had a recipe for bone broth, which was extremely dangerous to children. And like, do not feed this to your kids. I, I have a section, bits and pieces, and there's a link to a tweet by Izzy Yoderberg. And it's a picture of a chalkboard in Byron Bay. It's supposed to read, well, I f- imagine it's supposed to read anti-Omicron, but it says anti-Omicron, <laughs> $8.90. And it lists just a bunch of veggies and fruits. There are people who are selling nearly $10 juices to people um, saying that they're going to not get sick. Would you like to hear an anecdote that my wife and I observed while we were having while we were staying in Byron that time? Yeah, go ahead. And so we were at this restaurant and it was like quite posh. And about two tables over, we could kind of overhear a conversation between like a woman my age who like, you know, was wearing very nice clothing and everything like that. We overheard a bit where they were talking about like, uh, you know, her, their house looked a little bit Kmart, you know, like that level of like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, where's your husband? Oh, he's off doing Epstein shit. Got it. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I get the feeling that where some of this comes from is, you know, the husbands are like high tech developers or working in extractive industries, you know, can afford to fucking live in Byron Bay. Mm-hmm. And some of these house mums, and this ties into some some of the influences, are kind of left to their own devices. And if you're bored because your kids are at kindy, you have a chance to hop into these groups where they feed you horseshit about, like, no, you don't need to get the shot. You just need to, like, eat healthy. Yeah, yeah. And it, it probably feeds into this idea of, like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's connected to whether it's aesthetic or spirituality, or this idea of, you know, there's definitely a streak of counterculture, like, anti-establishment stuff there, which, you know, I'm the last person to fucking frown upon that, but when it is at the expense of public health, that's another thing. But I can see how people get sort of into these cliques. There were a few more things I wanted to discuss. It didn't really fit in to what I've talked about so far. There were two things I wanted to talk about, and first of all was I didn't realise that Byron Bay was a popular destination for schoolies. So for in- international listeners, schoolies is, I-, I imagine it's like spring break. Typically it's for kids who have just finished grade 12. End of school celebrations. End of school celebrations. My dad was a Thule. I'm just going to leave that there. You can Google it if you want. So I have a lot to say about schoolies. Let's add it to the heap. I got a skull fracture on my first night at schoolies. Um, you can find stories about it. Uh, so we will definitely revisit that in the Holy heap. shit. Was that in Byron Bay? No, in on the Gold Coast. But uh, yeah, I have, metal, I have metal plates in my skull. Fucking hell. Okay, all right. Definitely add schoolies to the heap. That is, I have, oof. Uh, I didn't finish high school, so no schoolies for me. But You probably um, didn't miss much. No, I, it was also a deliberate choice to never go anywhere fucking near it so friend of the show olivia i'm gonna read her retelling of her schoolies experience and this shit looks so messy and okay sorry another thing i'm I'm so sorry this is gonna be so awful for you to like edit into something cohesive that's okay there's also a huge festival scene in byron bay so blues fest and splendor in the grass are two huge like multi-day festivals that happen people will go out there and usually it's a bit inland from byron bay and people get fucking plastered 
high if they're kite and just watch live music which sounds nice but um lots of deaths <laughs> lots of lots of overdose things which i also have lots of thoughts on and also that also just remind me bush doofs uh so byron shire is the home of the bush doof which is where usually young people go out and use drugs like ketamine mdma and listen to EDM music and just have a great time. I've never been to one. I don't do drugs, so that's just not my thing. I missed out back when I did drugs. I'm I'm sad about it, but also kind of grateful because, yeah, like it... it it's just not my scene. The, the bit where you're dancing to music sounds fun. The bit where you're like sleeping in a car sounds dog shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and these are areas that are not built for sustaining life, like people yeah. uh, for too long uh, comfortably. Um, but I did see peer-reviewed papers that talked about bush doofs and identity and they used the word neo-tribe a lot and oh my fucking god, that just remind me, if you Google Byron Bay, like, I guarantee you're going to come up with the words tribe, um, I came the G that word well. that means traveler, um, that we know that we should not say the G-Y-P-S-Y word, fucking just, yeah, tribe is the main one. Just, just white ladies can't get enough of a tribe. <laughs> um, and... How, how, how much of that do you think is signaling relationship to an in group? So you call something tribe, and that's why people know, and and that's how people know that ah, oh, you're you're someone who lives in Byron because you call things tribe. Like, look, that is that is a funny idea. I do think that is something to think about when I think of white women using the word tribe. I do think of Byron Bay. I think of. I never really came across it. Like, I I haven't heard tribe much, like, from the people I know who grew up there. So so that that could be telling, like... And as I'm about to get into, there's certainly other scenes there. Like, the, I, I think I've been focusing a lot on, like, white influences. And white influences fucking love the word tribe in Byron Bay. But there are certainly other demographics there. Um, we'll get into the hardcore scene in a moment. But first, I'll just read um, the schoolies memories because like byron bay looks so aesthetic on um instagram but there's some shit happens in byron so olivia i went to schoolies at byron with my ex-girlfriend not ex when we booked it thanks olivia i broke down crying at the last night very drunk after a cop on a horse made me tip out the remainder of my smirnoff goon sack into a drain okay fucking hell now i have to stop to elaborate on what a goon sack is uh it's just it's just wine it's just cheap wine in a bag. It is apparently a very good way to store wine. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. But also it is, sadly, a lot of the wine you get is, like, cheap, not very good, and is mostly used to uh, get drunk when you're in university. And hang it on a clothesline. Yeah, anyway. The heap. Yes, the heap. <laughs> um, cop made her throughout the remainder of her goon sack, and then the red frogs came and consoled us. And the red frogs, I believe, um, are they salvos? There are some religious group, right? They're definitely a religious group. I don't know if they're affiliated with the salvos, but yeah, I remember my my late father telling me to uh, become a red frog at my own schoolies, and I was like, that sounds lame as shit. Because you have to be sober. So like the red frogs, I think they come out and they just like help. Um, people who are having having a having a bit of a rough time um, on various substances. So Olivia, yep. So red frogs came and consoled us. Then I took an early morning flight, absolutely exorcist style, hosed down myself with vomit, 
and the plane made an unscheduled stop in Newcastle, which is a city a few hours south of Byron. Um, I believe that unscheduled stop was because of me. You know what, Olivia? <laughs> I think you're fucking right. <laughs> I think you're right there. I think you vomited so much that they had to park the plane. They had to stop halfway home. Um, to, like pump out the vomit. Everyone was like yes. floating around the cabin and you're like exorcist spew. Also that night, I met up with someone from my year at school. We booked the wrong week, so it was all Queenslanders. Oh my fucking God. And we hung out and he was originally from Queensland and talked to some random about a drop kick from his old school. Then later that dude found us to come and fight us. Um, I was like, okay, that's a lot. And then friend of the show, Larry, his little anecdote was, I smoked a bunch of the worst weed of my life, then had really mediocre sex with my vegan friend at a music festival in Byron. Does that count? And I was like, that is exactly like the quintessential Byron experience. You've you've nailed the Byron experience. I will add that to the itinerary. Yeah. Oh no. It's shit weed, mediocre sex. That's the Byron promise. Um, (laughs) And then so last of all, that's just like the fucking shirt of the show. (laughs) Oh, okay, merch, merch, writing this down, sorry. (laughs) Shit, Shit, weed, and mediocre sex, that's the Byron problem. I don't have a pen, I have a sculpting tool, I'll carve it into the desk. Okay. (laughs) Your children. Father, what is this etching on our table? And then finally, I guess, like, the last bit that I couldn't really, like, fit in anywhere was um, on Twitter I posted about talking about Byron Bay, and I admitted that I've never been. And someone who grew up there talked about how Australian fishing TV personality Rex Hunt was bashed up by a bunch of straight-edge kids in Byron Bay. (laughs) Um, Which was a lot. It was a lot to take in. And I just, like, have been all week (laughs) since reading it in my head. I've just been imagining him, like doing like a fighting stance with his fist up saying yibbity yibbity like as in like <laughs> but giving them a big kiss yeah big kiss but i think i think he got his ass handed to him but that does bring me to the hardcore scene which i only know i've had parkway drive i've been to their concerts a few times but it sounds like you might have more knowledge in that area i just have a few more things to add sorry i'm um, so again for our american great britain listeners rex hunt uh hosted a fishing show um, his whole thing was that he would give, like, he'd be like, oh, a little bit of like Steve Irwin, just like, oh, look at this little beauty. Look at it. Oh, he's so good. I love this fish. And then he'd like give them a kiss <laughs> and then like release them sometimes. Like if it yes, wasn't the yes. right fish, that was kind yeah. of his stick. Oh, if it wasn't the right size, he was like very passionate about like making sure, like measuring it and making sure you're not like illegally catching fish yeah okay that's good so good on him but yeah that it was kind of a meme that this guy was like you know constantly like giving ki- kissing these fish on the lips <laughs> uh, sometimes fish have teeth so i i can't imagine doing that so 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 yeah i i remember this story happening and it being a big deal because you have to understand as well that like byron is you know a tourist town there are lots of backpackers and stuff like that who go there and there is stuff there that's pretty but it is also like as we said you know Chris Hemsworth lived there, lives there. Like a bunch of Australian TV personalities have homes there. It's kind of, if you're middle-aged and you want to go on a holiday, you can get a really nice holiday house that costs like 2000 bucks for a week. So that that is probably how someone like that ended up there. Yes, yes. Because um, I believe he was with his son. I think his son was being, from what I read, allegedly a bit of a dickhead. Rex Hunt was standing up for his, his son. 
and got his ass handed to him. And it, I think that they were alleging that these kids who beat Rex Hunt and his son up were pissheads and like were like drunk teenagers. And from my understanding, it came out that they were like uh, actually quite the opposite. We're like straight edge. Like we don't touch any of that shit. So some people might know Byron Bay even just in passing. I don't know how big Parkway Drive is outside of Australia. I do know that friend of the show, Joe Kasabian, I spoke to him about this and he had seen Parkway Drive in America once. They're a big deal. They're a pretty big deal. They've they've done a few worldwide tours, which is weird because like I saw them at like Morayfield fucking community (laughs) centre for like 10 bucks with wish for wings, I think. Um, years and years ago <laughs> but yeah so so there's also it doesn't surprise me that Byron Bay would produce Parkway Drive and a bunch of straight edge kids because it's kind of like the same sort of counterculture thing that I, I, we were kind of talking about before where it's like it's, there's this area whether you're privileged or, or working class like there's this you're not really a city you're a weird little town and people are living a little bit differently than elsewhere in the country I have I have an interesting thought about that because I I could not help myself. I know you were sort of the main researcher for this episode. I could not help but like try to clarify some things in my head because hardcore, the people I knew from Byron Bay growing up grew up in kind of the, almost the nexus of Byron hardcore. So from like 2006, I know Parkway Drive emerged in the mid 40s. So, like, they were all part of that scene. It was really, like, if you were a millennial in Byron Bay, a person who is now aged from, like, you know, 30 to 40, you were enveloped in that scene. And uh, I looked up hardcore punk as a genre, and it emerged as a response to, like, hippie, you know, the hippie counterculture in the 60s and 70s. So it's kind of fascinating that Byron is known as this hippie town, and it becomes, like, you know, a hardcore capital. And I still see that a friend of mine is a member of like a group called like hardcore byron which That's hasn't posted since 2016 so i think it's like you know emerged and receded as you know musical genres do so it wouldn't shock me if you know you're a kid in byron you grow up there and you just live there and then you see all this shit about like oh we're like you know beautiful earth mother hippies <laughs> and you might feel alienated from that so hmm. i wonder if that's possibly where that culture emerged from i'm actually very fascinated by that sort of parallel because it's like because it i could see it as rejecting the whole hippie thing where it's like some drug use is fine free love blah 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 from memory i'm coming at it from a totally different perspective and lens and time but there was also this streak in hardcore music where they were very, they hated the idea of women being sluts as it was, as it was. Like, you know what I mean? So, you know, there was like that song, is it by Deez Nuts? Or it's like, just remember you can't make a hoe a housewife. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I, maybe that was just the dudes I was fucking hanging around. But like, there was definitely this idea that like, yeah, like promiscuity was not, like it wasn't conservative, but it was just like, I, I, and I'm not saying that that was a direct rejection from, like, the hippie free love thing, but I, I just wonder, like, if that's where it came from. But Let's let's also remember that straight edge seems to exist in this weird place where it's not left and it's not right. It certainly looks like quite right wing in a number of aspects. It has been in the past, too. <laughs> you know, alt-right recruiters probably look at the, like, 
the straight edge crowd and are just like fuck yeah these guys are like prime recruitment material but uh it kind of i don't want to say apolitical but yeah like um there are factions on the left and the right um they're not necessarily hardcore but they are certainly like drawn to that scene mm-hmm. um in preparation to listening to this episode to recording this episode i lis- went back and listened to some hardcore oh, hell yeah what did you I listen remember- to Oh, mostly just Parkway Drive. I got to give it to Parkway Drive. I found the oldest music video of theirs I could find. It's from 11 years ago. And it's, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's one where they're on a beach. And, you know, it starts off with them just like performing on a beach. And then as the video goes along, it's like one of them getting towed behind a boat, the guitarist. And then he starts like trying to surf and playing guitar at the same time. Fuck yeah. <laughs> then, like he's, he's under the water. Like the guy's trying to sing in the water. And the whole time... It's like the band members acknowledge how fucking silly this looks because, like, you, you can't really play the sick solo while you're surfing. And so they, they all have these, like, smiles That's on their faces. Funny. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, this is, this is fun. It's like, like we're beach drive, boys. have my respect. Yeah, like, we're, like, <laughs> coastal boys. But also we're silly. Ah, that's kind of cool. I Hey, I actually really like Parkway Drive. I haven't fucking, like, kept up with who they are as people or anything like that. Yeah, very, very important and influential band uh, in, my, in my early teen years. I know uh, Metalcore kind of evolved out of Hardcore. The other band I listened to was In Heart's Wake, who a friend oh, yeah. of mine has actually filmed music videos for. And uh, it... It sounds. This could just be me, but it sounds like anime music. Oh no, really? I've never. I. I a lot of my friends listen to In Hearts Wake. I don't think I ever listened to them. Are they from Byron? Yeah, yeah. I remember a poster where like the lead singer is wearing the Deathly Hallows. So that's kind of the era oh, this is coming huh. from. And and I don't know. I was just listening to it, being like, oh yeah, fucking, I can see it. Like yeah, there's it. This is the start of an anime, and there's a twink with a sword. Hey, that's kind of cool. Real, there's a really hot chick, and then there's, like, a really badass guy. So I'm talking about the anime, not the band. Oh, the okay. anime I'm seeing in my mind. When oh, I right, 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 right. I see what you're wind. saying. I was going to say, wow, this is a real dude's rock moment. Oh, it's just your brain. You just have a dude's rock brain. Um, no, no. So, <laughs> so any animators out there want to make the In Park's Wake, In Heart's Wake anime? In Park's Wake? Is that is that our tribute band to, like, Byron Bay, like, hardcore and metalcore? Yeah, I'll sing the melodic bits. You can do the, like, deaf growl bits. I, I've tried a few sneaky ones in my time. I don't think it's going to be very good. <laughs> Basically, to wrap it up, if you ever make it to Australia or the east coast of Australia, I do think that you should maybe go there. Maybe, like, this is one of my favourite things to do when I'm going somewhere new, is I like to, like, have an internal bit or be a guy, <laughs> be a particular guy. So, like, you could do a little David Attenborough thing. You could lean into the woo-woo. You could go to Byron and listen to every person who wants to sell you something or try and convince you to go into their cult earnestly. You could pretend you've lived there all your life. If you do any of those things, I'd like to hear your experience. And I'm thinking I might go down for like an overnighter and um, see, maybe I should go to a fucking sound bowl therapy therapy thing. Like I'm making fun of it on a podcast, but I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> maybe it's life-changing maybe i'll have some ceremonial gray cacao maybe i will um oh by the way i also looked on etsy i typed in um like i changed the filter so it would only show me listings from byron bay oh wow it was incredible oh my god i would recommend everyone do it themselves lots of very expensive crowns made out of seashells oh there were like lots of like witchy cows 
There was DIY henna, um, mm-hmm. like lots of crystals, some that were like, I don't know if plinths is the word or obelisks. Okay. Some, so there's some like phallic looking boys and they had lots of uh, magical properties, apparently. And very expensive. Look, I like a crystal. I like looking at crystals. I think they look pretty. But people are charging a fuck ton of money and saying that they like are on your vibrational frequency or whatever the fuck. That's where it's weird. But anyway, yeah, I would recommend going to Etsy and changing your filter for store location Byron Bay and just having a little look-see. Um, also lots of spell and tarot card uh, reading offerings as well. It's got everything really. But yeah, to sum it up, just reading Byron Bay, I it's interesting how still I'm very critical of the space, but it has made me think a lot about a lot of what people go there to search for is to be closer to nature, to find community, to, you know, get away from the city. All things that I think are very understandable. I think my ultimate distaste are people who are grifting, the wage disparity, the, you know, income resource disparity. Like there's a lot of poorer people there. There's, um, People who aren't fucking multimillionaires, and there are also multimillionaires there, and I just think that that's pretty fucked that exists. And also that it has a lower, like it has a really low percentage of the population who are Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander peoples, despite being like the first place in Australia to have like a, a native land title granted that set like this precedent for the rest of Australia. So it was like this really important court case happened there, I believe, um, or, it was a wow. pati- or a particular type of land grant happened, like was located in Byron Bay. But I believe only 1.4% of people who live in Byron Bay are indigenous, despite that. And so like, it's a very gentrified space. It's built like, you know, one of the most picturesque aspects, I can't stop thinking about the fact that this fucking lighthouse was built on ceremonial grounds. This, you know, like, and, and it's like, obviously that happens everywhere on the colony, but it's sort of just like added insult to injury finding that out and knowing that all this wealth is in that town and it's not going to, um, you know, the traditional custodians of the land. So... Anyway, that's my little rant is TLDR, not a fan of colonization or capitalism. Um, sorry if this offends. This this will be a thesis of the podcast, so don't worry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also like a lot of those indigenous people who live there absolutely do not live in a huge mansion with an infinity Ooh. pool where you can take cool photos of you and your wife who was in that. Mm-hmm. What was that show with the mermaids? Ooh. Not H2O, just that one. Uh, the yeah. one that was on okay. like Netflix. The horny one. Oh no, I never watched that. I think I heard Chris Hemsworth's wife was in it. No, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh god, what was it called again? It was sort of good, but like it was also very silly. I was like, man, fuck yeah, make more of these shows. Oh, I like silly. Hi everyone, the show I'm ranting about is called Tidelands from 2018. Yeah, okay, kept away from that. But yeah, like yeah, the the 1.4% of indigenous peoples there don't hazard a guess that they're probably not living on these cliff mansions next door neighbors to chris hemsworth but also i could be wrong they probably don't even have the kmart you know home decoration that this lady was like kind of making fun of when i was at dinner fuck me dead no flax linen in fucking mustard natural dyes 
I say as I'm sitting on sheets that are fucking flax linen. And... I say as I sit on my gaming chair, which is made of beautiful flax linen. Really? No. no oh, I was going to no say, idea. that this sounds rank. Made of... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, damn, that'd be stinky. Um... No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no. Um... Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, okay. I have a little travel itinerary for please, Byron Bay. Please, 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 please. The main Byron town suck shit mm-hmm. is the key thesis. Byron Bay is connected to a lot of like very cool stuff. You'll probably end up staying in a town like Bangalore because staying in the town itself, unless you're staying in a backpacker's, you know, costs a fucking packet. Mm-hmm. But Bangalore is nice. The beaches are really nice. I have had some very nice times there. Um, if you go to Byron Bay, do not stay for longer than three days because you'll get really fucking bored and yeah. depressed. Don't do like a week and a bit vacation like me and my wife did. Oof, in that is too long. No, like we we still had fun, but yeah. but uh, I guess uh, the key things you go in there for about three days. Um, go snorkeling or scuba diving. Um, that was the key reason we went to Byron Bay is that I learned how to scuba dive there at Julian Rocks. Um, oh, hell it's yeah. amazing. Oh, sorry. Julian Rocks is where, um, like, basically a... I don't know if God is, you know, the correct term, but, you know, a creator spirit uh, for the Oracle people, yeah, lives in... is said to live in Julian Rocks. Sorry. <laughs> one of my one of my greatest, like, closest moments to, like, being spiritual that I consider was seeing a grey nurse shark that was asleep and was just like hovering there like this was like the final day of my scuba diving test and my instructor all the other students had like dropped out just for like lots of different reasons like some people just didn't show up so i basically had like a one-on-one private diving class it kicked ass and uh the the water clarity was like dog shit it was like five meters and at one point my instructor just pointed out like five meters away there's a gray nurse shark just like hovering in the one spot and that's what they do when they sleep and so I just, oh. like, rested on my knees, like, 20 meters under the water and just watched the shark hang out. That is so cute. It was really nice. Then at one point later on, we had, like, about five of them around us. And I was just like, oh, even though grey nurse sharks are fine, they won't hurt you. Like, as long as you're not a fuckhead. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that was cool as shit. They just came and checked us out. Uh, so, yeah, uh, go snorkeling at Julian Rocks. That kicks ass. There are some nice restaurants in the town. The main beach is nice. Go have fish and chips there. Go see there's some big waterfalls nearby. That kicks Ooh, ass. Yeah, the the nature there, I mean, even inland, um, yeah, does seem really incredible. Uh, I was going to say go check out the lighthouse, but knowing what I know now, I feel kind of guilty for having, like, been to the lighthouse. Um, Go watch no, a bunch of hey, fuckheads, like, fly drones at the lighthouse. Mate, we live, we, we probably live on sacred sites. Like... Yeah, good point, yeah. Actually, yeah. And, and look, the lighthouse, it, it, it is very pretty it is the easternmost point um you know the, it is worth checking out the parking is dog shit so you know brace yourself for oh, that so that is true that is okay okay so i have avoided byron for that reason good to know that that is still the case oh i meant mainly at the lighthouse. oh at the um, lighthouse the ta- okay in the town if you go in the off season it's a bit better but yeah like god help you if you're going there right, it's right. Like, you know blues fest or splendor in the grass no, or something do like it. that I, I went to Splendor in the Grass in 2007. It's the only real music festival I've... Big mu- multi-day music festival I've really been to. Look, I, I had fun. I saw a bunch of acts that probably don't exist anymore. I saw Muscles. I saw Oh, the hell yeah. I saw Powderfinger. Um, nice. Some classics. It was so dusty that, like, my shower 
at the end of the day, I was, like, literally spitting up, like, gobs of, like, mucus with dust in it. <laughs> so, uh, enjoy that. That was the one time it didn't rain. So, oh, like, yeah. the, the rest of the time, it's just muddy as shit. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating that Byron is this hub, but when you go there, it feels kind of like there's, like, there's nice beaches, but it feels like there's really not that much there. You can get a photo taken of your aura. You can buy a crystal that costs like a hundred dollars but was like two dollars wholesale right uh, yeah that's yeah, the trick yeah. with buying that's crystals it. yeah yeah exactly i i did see sorry side note someone on facebook marketplace was selling like i think it was like two grand worth of crystals and like the what they said you could get retail for was just like atrocious i was like i can't believe that that's fucking criminal but i just googled if you're in the area 19 minutes south of Byron Bay is Lennox Head. Uh, that's where I have been. And I went there with someone I was seeing um, a few years ago. And it was quieter than, than Byron Bay. It's cheaper. We stayed at an Airbnb. So basically you have the surf beach there. And then one street back, there's this giant tea tree lake. So it's like this, this big lake that... Um, I, I say big, but... Um, big lakes in Australia I think are still pretty small this lake that um, because it's surrounded by tea tree trees um, tea I tree. think I've been here actually you so have yeah yeah it, so the water the, the tannins from the tea trees are like make the water um, brown into coke yeah it looks like coke and it looks funky but um, my girlfriend and I went in at the time and we had a little swim and then some something touched our foot and we squealed and went back onto the, <laughs> to the shore. That's the lake experience. Yes, though. exactly. Like, <clears throat> but when we were in the water, like, I don't know if it was like a placebo effect or whatever, but like, it felt so soothing on my skin. And also we had been bitten by mozzies the night before. Yeah. Like we didn't, we weren't scratching at our skin or anything like that. It was like a really soothing yeah, it was really good for your skin. And I believe tea tree is known to be good for your skin. So I'd recommend going there. It was a lovely time. And it's a lot quieter if you want a Byron-adjacent experience. Um, this podcast has been sponsored by Byron Shire. <laughs> no, it <laughs> hasn't. It hasn't. I fucking wish. Don't get vaccinated. Don't, please do not get vaccinated. No. I, I think Byron Shire are doing, trying to do the opposite of that. There were a lot of outreach, like nursing and midwifery and health, like allied health um, events that they were trying to promote in Byron Bay and surrounds. And it's like, fuck. Like, I mean, that's good to have in general, but I'm like, I wonder if there's a concerted effort for some people. Yeah, because probably some of these areas are like ticking time bombs of herd immunity. Oh, fuck yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, so I'm sorry that was like a bit windy. I, I got a bit ranty, but it, it's interesting to hear how Byron was obviously had, you know, 22,000 years of, um, of people living there. And then it turned quickly into like this smelly working class area to a bit of a touristy area but for like poor bees now has this uh ever evolving influencer class influence influencer class and um alternative medicine and wellness tourism as well and we can get into like probably later on the podcast i remember reading an article years ago about how there seems to be this cycle of an area is kind of like poor and then 
people with like cultural cachet musicians artists and stuff like that people who are usually outcast move there make the area kind of exciting and then mm-hmm. it immediately gets gentrified yeah i i don't <laughs> remember the article because the article tone of the article seemed to be like hey if you want to like gentrify your area you just <laughs> get some artists in but, but like but so also a very specific type like, of art no, fuck off because <laughs> I, I don't imagine they'd be saying that about let's say rap and hip-hop like, like, yeah. but like, no, I, I think I, yeah, it's like if you build up, hey, fucking, yeah, build up an artistic community, artists are probably poorer than others, so they might also flock there, and then you have this, like, great community, and it's perfect for the rich to move Oh, yeah, into. that's the other thing. The art has to be, like, attractive to, like, white middle-class people, so it has yes. to be, like, a Xavier Rudd, you know, John Butler <laughs> kind of fucking aesthetic. Oh, I, <laughs> I can think of... Oh shit! I sorry. There was this band called I think they're called Custom Kings. Custom Kings. There was this band that I thought were from Byron Bay, but they're just from Melbourne. But you know, th- there's a sound that I associate with with Byron Bay for sure. Did they move to Byron to record? Because Possibly. That's the thing. There was like a big <laughs> recording studio there, and it's a thing. It's like, oh, let's go to Byron to record. I think a lot of musicians do move there because of the association with like popular music and music festivals yeah. and stuff like that so i know i that makes sense. i know like tex perkins lives there right okay yeah actually i'm gonna see people who live in byron bay matt damon and zach efron both own property in byron bay yeah what yep yep i mean i knew chris hemsworth but i didn't i didn't realize they did tony childs olivia newton john jack johnston oh jack johnson that makes sense. If there's a gentrified beach, Jack Johnson owns property there. Yeah. That's an allegation, not a fact. Don't don't quote me. Probably I'll try and de-identify this information, but I was speaking to someone last week who spent some time around Byron Bay on like an animal sanctuary and perhaps or perhaps not, allegedly in Roblox in Minecraft, Chris Hemsworth and his wife got a pet pig. What? and quickly realized that they couldn't handle the pet pig and then um, surrendered it to the sanctuary. Which is, you know, as far as, like, things go, that surrendering it is good. But also they have all the resources in the world to, like, have a dedicated fucking pig carer. So, yeah, pig handler. Mm -hmm. Um, And also would be promoting local jobs if they got a dedicated pig handler. Um, Anyway, that's an allegation, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, from last week. Again, don't quote me on that, but I just thought that was funny. Thor is no match for the humble pig. A pig that they probably thought was like a miniature pig yes. or whatever <laughs> it is, but turned out to just be a regular ass pig because that seems to be the problem yes. that happens. People buy piglets or malnourished pigs and then they start feeding it and they're like, oh no. <laughs> oh, this is just an actual pig. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's all I have on Byron Bay. Like this was just a flyover. So as I said, this is just like a little, a little flyover. I'm sure there are people listening to this who grew up in Byron Bay, and we've probably got some things wrong. And uh, to you, I say, go make your own podcast about it then. <laughs> and look, uh, we'll probably be returning to the topic of like coastal towns. Oh god, and we'll probably have to just because of like media. We didn't really get into surfy culture um, no the person i dated who lived in byron i think liked me because i was not like a surfy <laughs> guy because like surf culture 
has I, I love the ocean i'm just dog shit surfer yep surfy culture is something we will tackle i'm adding that to the heap uh we have to discuss puberty blues at some point ah. either the series or the movie oh my god but uh but yeah we will definitely be returning to like small coastal towns because so much australian media and art is set there it is such a place that is like <laughs> idolized within australian culture it's a real aspirational thing but i think if you spend too long there particularly in a really touristy town like byron you just find it they're just ultimately very boring lucas i have an idea for a novel what if an australian coastal town where everyone is a surfer and carefree don't you also, fucking tim winton me it also holds a winton deep me. dark secret that no one talks about was this a tweet the other day are you quoting a tweet at me no but that also makes sense. <laughs> um, I, I've written about it before. I'm like, because, you know, I grew up uh, I grew up in um, a coastal town, not a touristy one. It's called Deception Bay. Um, people make fun of it because it contains mangroves, which are the armpits of the sea. They're very important. Mangroves are nice. I like mangroves. They have I their come place. around on mangroves. I like mangroves. Lots of crabs nearby. Anyway, I live in a dodgy coastal town with lots of secrets and not so much secrets. And I grew up in a pretty fucking depressing um, situation. Uh, so it's kind of like, I don't want to read any Australian books because that isn't, that isn't novel to me. <laughs> the idea of there being oh, a small, no. small town with a depressing undercurrent. I'm like, yep, cool. <laughs> okay. Yep. Like at least some Tim Winton books had like a, um, like a magical, I, I think it was... Um, Oh, I can't Cloud Street or whatever the fuck it was. It was like a magic undertone to it. But um, if I read that correctly, I'm so bad at books. We may have we may have to get a guest on to do Tim Winton because I read the Lockie Leonard books as a kid and that was about it. I I there's a big like cultural blind spot for Tim Winton's work. I just don't care for him very much. I read Cloud Street because the uh, previous band that I mentioned, Custom Kings, had a song called Rose Pickles, and I'm like, what the fuck is Rose Pickles? It was a reference to Cloud Street by Tim Winton. And so I read the book oh, and I didn't like it. Because okay. again, I was just like, this is just relatable. I don't fucking... Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was very... It was fun researching this, but it feels very odd to like not come down hard and fast on like my hill to die on. <laughs> All I know is that I will not be dying on the hill where the lighthouse is in Byron Bay that feels very disrespectful um but anyway thank you for having me um i i hope you gained some useful knowledge i in fact i know that you did by knowing that it is a bite and not a bay <laughs> and yeah listeners please shoot us any feedback messages compliments only i have rejection sensitive dysphoria so i will cry if you're mean to me we also have yes me also <laughs> yes me also we have a discord server now which we can share the link to i'm sure oh, i'll do i'll do housekeeping stuff yeah, don't worry sick awesome i think since we are a podcast about australian gothic and the deep horror lurking behind Australian culture, I don't think we can go further without discussing the Australian film Wake and Fright. We're doing a movie episode, so please join us for that. Ooh, I've never seen it or heard of it before. Uh, it does feature a very intense scene involving kangaroo hunting, so just big content oh, warning right. for that. I, I love, I, yummy, I like kangaroos. 
Okay, good. good. <laughs> it is a very visceral scene, though. But uh, yeah, that'll be our next episode. So thank you for joining us for episode two. Okay, bye. Hi, everyone. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Australian Gothic. Uh, just some notes. Our next episode on the film Wake and Fright will be out in two weeks' time. Please go and watch it or read the book if you, in the meantime. If you like the show and want to find more of us, you can find us on SoundCloud at Australian Gothic. Uh, we're also now on iTunes and Spotify under Australian Gothic. You can find us on Twitter at OzGothicPod for all the latest episodes and news. Uh, Josie is on Twitter as at JSSPCR1. We also have a Discord now. Link to that in the show notes. Thanks again for everyone who's listened. Uh, your feedback means the world to us. Uh, we will see you soon. Love you.